welcome to Scary Basement. Each week, me and my friend Mikey are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally to this basement, wherein lurks every scary thing that has ever been, including a carnivorous sandwich with teeth, a jack-o'-lantern with a criminal record, and a ceremonial <laughs> dagger of the damned, but rusted. They really should take better care of their things down here. I'm Roxy Polk. And I'm Mikey McCaller. Mikey, let's start out, as we always do, with the scariest things that happened to us this week. So what went down in your life outside the scary basement that spooked you to your very bones? Roxy, you know how in a zombie movie, your little daughter gets bit and then you're like, you, you know she's going to turn into a zombie, but you can't kill her? Yeah. Because you love her so much? Uh-huh. Yeah. I've been on Whole30 for about three weeks. Okay. And then I had a couple of days in a row where it was like I was going to Disneyland. I was going to see some friends. It was uh, my girlfriend's birthday. And I just couldn't eat Whole30 on those days. It was just impossible. Mm. So uh, on the way home from the final event that weekend, I stopped and got Chipotle and didn't even get a Whole30 Chipotle. I got the Chipotle I love with a tortilla and sour cream and cheese. And Roxy, I knew it was going to hurt me, but it was like my daughter getting bit. I knew it was going to hurt me. And I was so devastated when the turn finally came because I loved it so much. It was such a good burrito. And then I was sick for a day and a half. Yeah, I was going to say, it probably messed up your inside. So I was trying to figure, is he just talking about like he felt so bad that he like broke this goal that he was doing? Or did it literally like make him feel just bad (laughs) physically? Yeah. And it was both, it turns out. It was both. It was just like, you you know you're making a bad decision when you don't shoot your daughter in the head because you know she's going to be a zombie. And you know you're making a bad decision when you go to Chipotle and get a burrito instead of a salad with no beans and only meat. And I know Tough how much dice. you love burritos, Mikey. So this, this analogy is not terrifying or scary about yeah. what would happen in a zombie apocalypse. Not even Tough a little. times. What was the scariest thing that happened to you? So I had a visit with my dentist, which was uh, what very routine until my gum started bleeding a lot. And it hurt what? way more than it ever has when I've ever been to the dentist before. And they were like, oh, yeah, if you don't fucking floss every day and get your your floss game on point, you're going to get gum disease. And whoa, you don't want to deal with that. Because all these things that they listed, like, oh, your gum line recedes, and then you have to get, like, I don't know, a gum transplant or something. They would have to move stuff around and do surgeries, and they said all these scary things, and I was like, okay, you have scared me so much, I am going to floss all the time now. I'm going to become a number one advocate of flossing. Tell Uh all my friends they gotta floss. Tell strangers on the street they gotta floss. It literally scared you into changing your behavior, which is the ultimate sign of fear. I was sitting in the chair. I bought a new toothbrush because I didn't really change my habits, but I'd had an electric toothbrush, the same electric toothbrush for years. So I was like, oh, maybe like it's just been dying and I didn't know. (laughs) So I got a new toothbrush. I got like a whole case of floss. I got specific toothpaste and mouthwash that is like gum health gum anti-gum disease stuff um and then i even bought like a water pick because they told me i Mm. should buy a water pick water picks are cool so yeah that was a that that was a big chunk of change i wasn't expecting to spend but it'll be much cheaper than having to get dental surgery Uh um so roxy can i tell you a weird thing about myself sure what i love flossing you do 
I do. I've got those li- that like bag of like those little individual flossers, those little plastic. Oh, like, I need to get some of those. It's just fun to have one around. I'll grab one after a big steak dinner and I'll just like poke it in between. And then you get these little chunks of steak. Or if you eat a lot of almonds like I do, you get a little <laughs> almond piece out. It's delightful. And then your teeth feel like strong and good. Oh, I love a floss. There you go. You probably got like the strongest gums imaginable. Oh, I, my gums are vicious. <laughs> they can lift weights. They can, they can, they can do I sometimes, uh, I sometimes go to the gym and see other strong men and I, I say, let me see your gums. And they show it to me. And then I pull out my gums and I bash my lower face into theirs and my gums just kick the shit out of their gums. <laughs> it's the ultimate uh, way to prove you're more manly. I will say, you know who I can't imagine has any good dental hygiene? The demon bot. I would be scared if he has any sort of dental hygiene, actually. <laughs> it would be scary to see yeah. him brushing his teeth. Oh, it's almost like he, too normal. <laughs> did he, like, steal somebody else's teeth and he's doing a facsimile of human behavior? I don't know. Mikey and Roxy, good dental hygiene is important for everyone, which is why I brush after every meal and floss twice a day. Anyway, this week you were assigned the 2007 Holiday Horror Anthology Trick or Treat. Did you watch the film? Roxy, I did watch Trick or Treat. Me too. Happy October, Trick or Treat is a movie we watch. Then you may keep your souls. For now. And if you'll excuse me, I must go brush my human teeth. Did you see the way his mouth was moving, Roxy? It was up and down and he actually has stolen human teeth. Oh my god. So then the question is, are they like fake dentures or uh were they real used to be in a human's mouth kind of situation we've got to remember to clock it for next time to see if there's any change at all in the dental hygiene if it's like if they are a little yellow maybe he's got like coffee teeth i have no idea if the demon bot drinks coffee he could and i'm sure we will very much remember to keep track of this for next week (laughs) update you on the progress yeah all right, so trick or treat, Mikey. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about for everybody listening up at the basement door, we give them a little plot summary about trick or treat. I love it. All right, so we begin in the fictional town of Warren Valley, Ohio. It's Halloween night. We are about to experience an anthology-style non-linear story where Sam, an ominous trick or treater in pajamas and a burlap sack, will enforce the rules of Halloween on everyone who ignores them. Sam starts by taking out a lady who ignores tradition and extinguishes the candle in a jack-o'-lantern before the night is over, turning her into a Halloween decoration in her own yard. As all of our stories intertwine, we'll see characters from different vignettes pass by each other. We'll start with The Principal. It opens with a child vandalizing jack-o'-lanterns and stealing candy from an unattended bowl on his school principal's doorstep. The principal arrives and lectures the boy about respecting Halloween traditions and offers him a candy bar. The boy takes it, eats it, and then promptly starts barfing blood and chocolate. And then he straight up dies. Turns out that chocolate was laced with cyanide and that the principal is a serial killer. He buries the boy's body in the yard after being repeatedly interrupted by his annoying son and a crotchety old next-door neighbor named Mr. Krieg. As the principal returns to his house, that same crotchety neighbor bangs on the window, asking for help. But the principal ignores him and goes back into his house. The principal is nagged by his son once again to help decorate a jack-o'-lantern. He grabs a knife and takes his son downstairs. 
Instead of killing his knowing son, as we are all led to believe he will do, we see that the murdered boy from earlier was beheaded before he was buried, and the principal and his son are going to make a jack-o'-lantern out of his severed head. This serial killer is teaching his son the family business, it seems. <laughs> Next up is the Halloween school bus massacre. We encounter a group of trick-or-treaters, Macy, Chip, Schrader, Sarah, and outcast Rhonda, who's a Halloween traditionalist who knows not to let her jack-o'-lantern go out. Group leader Marcy takes him to a spooky abandoned rock quarry and tells them the story of when a bus full of children with disabilities were killed by their bus going over a cliff and into the quarry below them. The parents of the town couldn't deal with their children being different and paid off the bus driver to kill them. However, instead it was one of the children getting free and commandeering the bus to drive it over the edge that killed them all. The driver escaped, but the legend says he was never seen again. The trick-or-treaters leave eight lanterns out to honor the dead, but when the group splits up, there are screams as the lanterns begin to extinguish. It turns out these kids, led by Macy, were pranking Rhonda by making her believe the legend was real. Macy reveals herself to be a bully. <laughs> Pulls off her mask and she looks like a chubby <laughs> red freckled head kid. <laughs> That's not true. Macy reveals herself to be a bully and then kicks the last tribute lantern into the water, which allows the actual dead kids to emerge from the water and begin to slaughter all of them. Except for Rhonda. She keeps her lantern lit and escapes, leaving the bullies behind her to die. Sam gives Rhonda a nod as she walks off. You Next got up, this, girly. Next up, we have Werewolf Party. Shy girl Lori is getting costumes with her sister and friends. Lori is dressed as Red Riding Hood. Her sister tells her it's tradition for a virgin to wear it. The other girls each pick their own dates, leaving Lori to find hers on her own. She goes out into the town festival solo. We then see, in that very same town festival, a vampire kill a girl in an alley. He then sets his sights on Lori. He follows Lori and attacks her in the woods, only for her to defeat her assailant and deliver him hogtied to the party <laughs> with the other girls and their dates. Turns out these girls are all werewolves. <laughs> and their dates are going to be their kills. So we go through and watch each of these men that they picked up get slaughtered. Lori's vampire, however, is no vampire at all, but instead the serial killer principal, who is getting his just desserts as Lori's first kill. She and all the other werewolves then transform and revel in the slaughter. Sam, the haunted trick-or-treat boy, watches nearby. Now it is finally time for Old Man Krieg's story. Finally, we were waiting for him. Yeah. The fucking Thanos of this movie. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> Hinted throughout, and now we get to explore him. Go ahead. This old man absolutely hates Halloween, and he lives next door to the serial killer principal. Krieg experiences his house being egged, a common Halloween prank. Then his bare lawn with no decorations is filled with lit jack-o'-lanterns. His ceiling is then covered in graffiti with Halloween greetings, asking to trick-or-treat, give him something good to eat or whatever. <laughs> and the hallway is filled with candy and broken glass. Krieg fights off Sam, who then appears to attack him, all throughout his house, until eventually he pulls off Sam's mask to reveal him to be a horrifying jack-o'-lantern-looking creature that cannot die even after being blasted apart with a shotgun. Right as Sam has Krieg cornered and is ready to kill, he knocks over a table, which causes a piece of candy to fall on top of Krieg. Sam then stabs this candy instead of Krieg, as the Halloween tradition has now been fulfilled. He has been offered candy. As Sam leaves, we see a photo that Krieg tried to dispose of, 
revealing him to be the bus driver from the school bus massacre. But we thought he had gone. Nope, he's here. Learning his lesson, Krieg now gives out candy to trick-or-treaters, learning to respect the holiday, or else he will be <laughs> slaughtered, I guess. He sees other characters going about their night that we had seen in the previous stories in the movie, and he stands on his porch, observing everything. He then sees Sam making his way to the house at the beginning of the movie with the couple who turned out their jack-o'-lantern too early. Krieg is then greeted by the last bunch of trick-or-treaters for the night, which turn out to be the kids from the school bus massacre! Back from the dead and out for revenge against the man who caused their death. And Roxy, that's the movie Trick or Treat. That's movie Trick or Treat. Woo! What'd you think? <laughs> um, so I have seen this movie multiple times, and I feel like each time I see it, I notice a different thing about it, and it makes me like it a little less. Mm -hmm. One thing I will say is that this movie absolutely nails the atmosphere, the color palette, the design, the set to, mm. like the set choices and everything uh, for Halloween. Like it's a very, very, very good movie to watch during Halloween season in October. Mm -hmm. It feels like it embodies the holiday in a lot of ways very effectively. And uh, oftentimes some things don't kind of we, we talked about this a bit <laughs> we had to like stop ourselves from talking about some of these things before we started recording because mm -hmm. yeah there's some things that don't make as much sense and like if you're able to kind of turn your brain off and just kind of like revel in the vibe of it it's a lot more enjoyable than if you try to think too deeply about how some of these things connect and interact and make mm. sense i could not do that yeah <laughs> I, I was watching totally this movie and that. As Even as we were reading the recap, it, there was a lot of, like, a lot of these beats start out, and I think this is a problem, with, turns out, the girls were all werewolves. Turns out, the vampire was the principal. It just, turns out, there's just, like, events happening. It's very, very hard for me to understand why this movie was made. And also, <laughs> like, like, the way I had to do this summary, like... The, the, it's not as succinct as the thing we described because you see bits and pieces of the story and characters mm -hmm. interacting with each other throughout the entire movie. So like you kind of can't tell who is in whose story until you like get to the end of it where yes, then there's a reveal that they were werewolves. So, you know, they're done. Then the mm -hmm. bullies get killed and the girl walks off. So, you know, that one's done. There's, there's something I've, I've um picked up on in my very short time being like a professional writer, this idea that like the distinction between story and plot, and mm -hmm. how story is like telling the emotional story. And it's why you generally have one protagonist because they're the emotional plot you can follow. Yeah. The, uh, uh, for, I don't know why this is the movie that's coming to my mind, but like the Guardians of the Galaxy is <laughs> Peter Quill's story. And he is going through this journey of like exploring what it means to be friends. And every scene kind of plays into that in some way. And so the plot for a movie to be like really resonant, the plot has to serve the story. So if it's about him meeting new friends and learning to grow together with them and to be not selfish for the first time in his life, he's got to be put in situations where he can try to be selfish, but he can't be. And therefore, we are tracking his emotional progress throughout the movie. This movie is 100% plot. It is not serving any story. There's nothing to, like, ground it. There's no reason. Like, I think about, like, Christopher Nolan's Memento, a movie I have not seen. What? <laughs> I know. Okay, what's, how is this going to go? But but the idea is that, like, he is we, – we are showing this movie in different chunks of time. We're, like, jumping around in time, and it's disorienting because this character is disoriented, right? Yeah. It's like you make these stylistic choices in service of the emotional story, 
and not the other way around. There's no mm-hmm. reason for this movie to be disconnected this way. <laughs> There's no reason for it not to be like a pure four stories in a row. They're like the overlays, like, you know, we see Mr. Krieg in the window peeking out and it's mm-hmm. cool, but it doesn't do anything. It's not like, it's not a story about, you know, us ignoring the horrors that go on in our lives and how we maybe need that to function. Like, there's a ton of things this movie could be about, and it's not about anything because it has zero story. This is the first movie I've seen maybe my whole life that just, it has zero story. It has a lot of plot, but there's nothing grounding it. There's nothing going on. Yeah, and I feel like, too, it wouldn't have been that hard to try to do that, especially when you have Sam who is connecting all of the stories. Mm-hmm. Like, to either do something better with him or have all of these different intersecting stories kind of have some similar, well, not similar outcomes, but basically just outcomes that inform the others. It feels like each right. one of them is very separate, and it's just about, like, y- you didn't respect the rules of Halloween. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, a werewolf just gets you this time, I guess. Right. I just had a friend of mine get uh, a short film that he made into like a film festival and we all went to go oh, see cool. it on great. the big screen and it was great. Congrats. Yeah, uh, He made an incredible friend. movie. Uh, big up to uh, Jeremy Schmidt, host of Video Games and Comedy Show. Hell yeah. But his movie is great. But like the, the style of telling a story in like a short film like that. And we watched, you know, the other movies in the, the block. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's kind of, you don't really have a chance to like tell a, a story where like a character grows and changes that much. You almost, it's almost more about like building to a fun little surprise. And I do think all of these stories have their individual, like their own fun little surprises. Even yeah, though I would like argue. figuring out a mystery to an extent. Yeah. They're not like unique. They're not, there's certainly nothing we haven't seen before in the various goosebumps and are you afraid of the darks yeah. uh, of the past. But this question of the rules of Halloween, like that is the theoretical through line. People are disrespecting the rules of Halloween. Although I don't know what the serial killer ignored. (laughs) Like there's a lot of like, I guess the one rule of Halloween is don't drive mentally challenged children off a bridge. Like, wait, 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 which? No, the serial killer was different, though. He's not the old man. The old man is the one who drove the kids off. No, I know. I know. I don't understand what the serial killer's deal is. I don't know okay. what he did wrong, and I don't I know think what the he's bus driver more did like wrong. Getting just desserts, I suppose, because he yeah. he thought he was the hunter, and then he became the prey, I guess, because he didn't well, respect so, the na- the fact that there could be something bigger than him out there, I guess. That's the that's the question. Like, is it a Halloween tradition to not be the hunter? <laughs> like, yeah. like it's not it's it's so haphazard. But there there's no point of view. On breaking Halloween traditions. Like, I, I, we don't I have anything set up. Start. We don't have something set up or established to be broken. We don't know. Except for yes. the couple in the movie just saying, don't turn out the lantern before the night's over. It's tradition. And then the wife is mm-hmm. like, eh, whatever. I just don't want a lit candle outside my house that could sure. be lit on fire. Um, that's literally the only thing that they say. We don't get any other rules other than that explained to us in the movie. Mm-hmm. So that's the only one you can really point to or look at to possibly be broken or adhered to there's a lot of work being done in this like you know that like when you see uh when you're trick-or-treating and somebody's left out a big bowl of candy that you're only supposed to take one like yeah there's kind of like this understanding that you know the myth but there's again there's no like take on it there's no like how does this director or this writer i think it's the same writer and director right i have no idea and i actually don't care uh 
what do, how do they feel about tradition? Like tradition is a loaded concept, right? There is, it's almost like, in a way, it's like your familial fate, right? If your family has a tradition, you are fated to spend Christmas or Halloween the exact same way every year. And that can be a positive. That can be something that brings you together because you have the shared experience and you can grow that tradition. And then it's something that can tie your parents to your children. Like, that's a lovely thing. But there's also a horrifying angle to tradition where, like, if our tradition is, like, arranged marriage or you're not allowed to marry a certain type of people, like, then tradition harms you from being a person. It's this loaded concept, and they don't do anything with it. It's all just, like, the tradition is don't put out candles or you'll get killed by a monster. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, which, like, you bringing that up, anything. too. Like, with the serial killer, you can see him generational, generationally passing mm-hmm. on tradition to his kid to be a serial killer. And then with the werewolves, you have the thing about the traditions of the, you know, the fledgling werewolf has to get a kill on Halloween night. Mm-hmm. And all of the other girls have already done it because they're older. And so this character we're following, uh, she has to do it this time. It's her year. So and you can you that. can easily see a path towards this creative team making this movie has something to say about traditions, right? If yeah. if this if this guy is uh, passing a tradition onto his son of murdering chubby boys, then he's probably not a huge fan of it. But if the tradition is uh, werewolves should not eat people, it's just like it's hard to grasp. There's nothing to be taken. <laughs> this movie and it really frustrated me it felt like it was all frosting and no protein i felt like i was eating four different flavors of frosting that didn't really mix well together if you ever go to like what is it pinkberry not pinkberry uh yogurt land yogurt land has all the flavors of yogurt and you got one big and you want to put like chocolate next to vanilla next to uh coffee and those three flavors all kind of mix this movie felt like it was all frosting so it's inherently not (laughs) valuable calorically but it also felt like it was like lemon flavored and uh chocolate and toffee and then the shit flavored ice cream from nathan fielder that one was mean (laughs) that was mean of me to say none of the none of the stories were objectively bad but like there was just nothing to them and it i didn't see how they coalesced i don't know why they were together uh, it feels it feels very much like there was a lot of care put into this movie, though, like with the production value to it and mm-hmm. like the effort you can tell, like the actors put in the costume design, the set dressing that I talked about earlier, too. So, like, you can tell they were they, they nailed some things, but not everything, which and like Sam himself is a very interesting design little guy. And I think if they yeah. lean more into giving him more specific screen time or something to do. Or, like, making him more of, you know, either a killer or a villain or just more present in the stories instead of, like, an afterthought. Uh, mm-hmm. They could have, like, had something there. And, you know, yeah. like, if they had ever been able to get a sequel going, I feel like maybe we could have seen something like that. But the release of this movie was as such, like, it had originally been planned to be put into theaters and then it, it didn't end up happening. So then it was, like, a mm. direct-to-DVD thing. Mm. And then it just, it has garnered a cult following but didn't really hit, like, mainstream, exactly. Mm. So, like, I don't know if they'll ever be able to do that. Maybe it will achieve enough cult status that someone will take a chance on it to get a sequel. But uh, after this many years, I kind of doubt it. Um, That's wild, because it's got some big actors in it. I it guess does, they maybe and Sam himself has big. been so merchandised. He is so mm. merchandised. You go into any Spirit Halloween, you go into any Target, anywhere, you're going to... 
this ho- this Halloween season, go into a place in October and you will see mm-hmm. Sam's little burlap sack and his cute little pajamas and his little Aww. lollipop with a bite out of it, just like everywhere. <laughs> um, so for like how marketable and merchandisable he is, it's insane to me that there aren't more movies featuring him or anything. It's just this yeah. one movie. And he's not even cool in it that idea. much. <laughs> it's a cool idea to do an anthology series where there's like one little monster that's like kind of involved or like observing it. Yeah. Like, I like, I think that's a cool idea. Yeah, because even with like Crypt Keeper stuff, he is like kind of an omnipresent observer. So he's like telling you the story and knows what's happening. I always wanted that. I always, when I watched Tales from the Crypt as a kid, I always wanted the Crypt Keeper to get involved. Yeah, he's to, just he's just always an observer. To go start killing people. Like, because I always thought the Crypt Keeper was the scariest monster I'd ever seen. <laughs> uh, this movie also does my number one least favorite thing with jump scares, where there are a ton of jump scare fake outs. Are there? Like, okay. Every single one of these stories had a jump scare fake out. That's too bad. Everybody's pulling pranks for no reason. Like Brian Cox. The prank Cox, one is like the only one that would make sense to do that because then that's like trying to get you into the mood of that particular story. But none of the other ones, only one story does that. So only one story yeah, has they that don't play into, That, that one the other plays into the story at least. Although I yeah. will say in the, um, the little kids bullying story, uh-huh. uh, did they just get the prank right? Like, they guessed what they should do a prank about, and it just happened to be the thing that was actually going on. <laughs> Super. Like, can you imagine just, like, what if we just really fucked with her and, like, we're like, surprise, dead kids. And then the way that actually manifested was dead kids. It just well, feels I like. I guess they didn't think that zombies were real. Like, they knew the legend was partially real. And so they were just leveraging that to be scary. But I don't think they think they thought any of the actual you know, killing your monsters were going to happen. So then when it was proved right. to be real, then they get to be bullied for being bullies, I guess. But the, it's like, they should have been like, wow, we were pretty close. <laughs> I guess. They're just the screaming we trying thought of is pretty, at that point. We were basically spot on. <laughs> but like, uh, the uh, Brian Cox, the old man story, he ended up on Succession and he's one of the great actors that we mm-hmm. love. But his story opens with him, like, sending his dog out with, like, a little green-eyed mask. Oh, yeah, to, like, like, fake out, actually scare some children. I hate it. I hate it, Roxy. I hate a fake out jump scare. Especially that late in a movie. Like, we should be just getting terror by this point. I guess so. I mean, in that way, it was, like, subverting your expectations, because he was trying to do an actual scare. And it did get pulled off on the kids and you, the viewer. And then he's like... Yeah, I was pulling. I guess he was pulling a prank technically on them, or just yeah, trying to. I wrote down. Get him off I wrote yard. down. If this is another fucking fake out, I'm gonna lose it. And then underlined a dog in a mask. You did lose it. Then. I did lose <laughs> and it. And that's yeah. how that's how Mikey died. He lost I thought, it. I thought when we saw this old cranky guy, I thought we were gonna get an Ebenezer Scrooge story, but with Halloween. I mean, it, it was set up that way, and yeah. that was what happened. But then, so we talked about this off camera. We should talk about it now. Uh, the fact that, like, the kids come back to kill him, he didn't actually kill them, though, is the <laughs> right. thing. So the kids come back to get revenge on him. He took the money from the parents, but then didn't actually do it. Like, you could see him wavering to go through with it. And then one of the kids breaks out of the restraints, and then that kid is the one who sends the bus over the edge. So one mm-hmm. of the kids killed all the other kids, technically, and he just swam out and didn't die just because he wasn't, like, bolted in. But, like, you know he what? didn't actually kill the kids, so then when they come back as the stinger at the end to kill him, it's like, shouldn't you be going after your parents who tried to kill you if they're still alive? You're, you're exactly right. But it kind of reminds me of how, like, everybody blamed this summer our gas prices got really high and everybody blamed Joe Biden. 
Uh-huh. Uh, and it's like, it's easier to blame one person who ultimately doesn't have a ton to do with it than it is to blame multiple people and kind of to blame the system. Like, these kids ultimately were failed by, like, because here's the thing I was thinking about these parents, Roxy. Okay. Which was so funny to me that, like, you've got all these individual parents who have these special needs kids. And at some point, one parent had to go to another parent and was just like, you know, I'm thinking about murdering my child. Where are you at on that? Uh And they were like, you know what? I'm glad you said something. (laughs) Like, the idea. Yeah, they team up. It's like eight sets of parents. Right. Yeah, it's unusual for one set of parent to want to kill their child. For eight of them to get together and like, can we pool the money? Like, I'm going to send you a Venmo for the bus driver who's going to kill all our kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, wild. But that's that's kind of what I mean. Like, it would be harder to go after all of these multiple individuals. They'd probably have to go after the banking system that did let them Venmo each other. Well, I mean, They'd I have would to go just after the school parent- system that organized it. But it's your parents who ultimately made that decision. So I would think mm-hmm. that each child would just go to their parents' home unless they're already dead, I guess. Like, Krieg is very old by the time they get to him. So it's possible yeah. that he's the only one still alive who was involved. But they never tell you that. Hopefully the parents all, uh, when they got together after the bus driving thing happened, was like, hey, you know, I was thinking about killing myself. What do you think? And then then all the other parents were like, I'm glad you said something. (laughs) Just team up again. Why not? It worked so great the first time we teamed up. Let's do it again. We've got a good thing going here. Yeah. (laughs) We've got some great teamwork. we got good communication. Like, look at what we've accomplished so far. (laughs) So, Mikey, we've been talking about a lot of stuff with this movie, but what do you think is the big idea of this movie? What is it trying to say thematically, cautionarily? <laughs> what do you What do you I'm, think? I mean, my biggest beef with it is that it doesn't have anything to say. Hmm. If I were to try to uh, implant some sort of narrative upon it, I think there is something about traditions. Like, it almost is a very conservative movie. It's like, hmm. and, and I mean that in a less political sense and more in like a our values we're moving away from our values nobody respects halloween anymore and it does kind of get into a little bit of like when you start thinking about what that sort of message becomes like sam is like fighting for halloween so are these is this creative team advocating for halloween not changing any longer for halloween to stay the same as it was when they were growing up Are there any examples of, like, anti, I don't know, technology or anti-children in this movie? Uh, not really. Like, in some cases, it's kind of like bad people get their comeuppance. So you could Mm -hmm. almost be like, there's sort of a karma element to it, in a way. But then there's just, like, the lady who doesn't want there to be a lit flame outside of her house next to, like, a wooden fence. Right. Who gets killed just because she wanted to clean that up. And, I mean, yeah, she has a sour opinion about wanting to, like take down the decorations early as well but again it's more open flames than like these spooky ghost blankets like it it doesn't really seem fair for that to happen to her whereas like everybody else kind of did like a bad thing like we have the serial killer who gets his comeuppance we have a little kid who was like smashing pumpkins he gets his comeuppance Mm -hmm. just for smashing pumpkins and stealing candy we have all of the bullies who get their comeuppance for being bullies and not being respectful Right, but like, who... and then the werewolves are just killing a bunch of people because they're werewolves. They they're just being werewolves, so they're not right. They're doing bad things and being able to get away with it. Technically, even if one of them right. does kill a serial killer, all of the other dudes that they kill are probably not serial killers. 
So it does feel like you'd be able to construct a narrative if it were just one story, but because there are four stories and they're all so contradictory, like thematically and like in terms of like figuring out why they why somebody made this movie. <laughs> uh, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. It just feels like they were into because that's kind of my other issue, Roxy. First of all, nobody's super likable. In this movie, there's nobody who I'm really like rooting for. Even Rhonda, who's like getting bullied, by uh-huh. the end of it, she like abandons her friends to get killed. Which like I don't care how bad the bullying prank is. I was still like, all right, Rhonda, like that's a little much. But yeah. then the other thing is, none of these kills are like super exciting. Like even if this movie was just like I want to make a cool Halloween movie with a bunch of like interesting kills, like none of the kills are super unique or fascinating or like particularly depraved so i don't know why somebody sat down to make it i mean like i said earlier it feels very much like a vibe movie where it is like Mm. the spirit of halloween distilled in visuals and Mm -hmm. sound design and just having these spooky events happening kind of in all Mm -hmm. these different sort of genres where you've got you know monster movie or thriller or whatever and these little vignettes it almost feels like a four quadrants version of Halloween. It's not like an artist coming into like with his specific. I don't want to say an artist. This person who made this is an artist. It's not like somebody is coming in to this with a specific take on Halloween that they're like, this is what I want to tell people about the Halloween that matters to me. Because Halloween means a million different things to a million different people. So it almost felt like he was going for the four quadrants version of Halloween. Like, what is the kind of Halloween that we can all agree it's like? costumes you need a date to the halloween dance you should not steal candy from porches it's kind of like these sort of like it's almost attempting to be like a universal halloween and i think you're right when you say that it like gets the vibe right because it does feel like it's trying to be everybody's halloween all at once and it's like the old adage goes if you've got two quarterbacks you've got none if you've got multiple takes on halloween you've got no take on halloween Yeah, and I think also, like we were saying, too, if they had more directly established what exactly the rules were that were being broken, then Mm -hmm. we could just point to that and be like, yeah, everybody's breaking the rules. And then, yeah. Can I tell you one little thing that that would make this movie very interesting and sad to me? Okay, was sad, (laughs) huh? Okay, very If the very first scene was about, like, a man and his, like, 14 or 15-year-old son... And him just saying like, hey, are you excited? I got my costume. I'm going to be Freddy and you're going to be Jason, right? And the kid is like, shut up, dad. I'm an adult now. I'm going to go smoke and drink with my friends. And he puts on his like leather jacket and leaves. And the father just like watches him because then it's about this longing for a time of Halloween past. And all the Halloween traditions that are being broken all come back to this emotional tradition that's been broken between a father and son wow that's beautiful yeah that's I think, a beautiful like, idea i just had <laughs> you're also hitting on something that we had talked about earlier too which is like there is no main character like sam mm. is a thread character that threads through the stories but he is in no way the main character like nobody mm-hmm. is um so it makes it additionally hard to kind of like point to you know the bigger idea because normally you can look at the main character's journey and it should be mm-hmm. you know centered around that usually um so, yeah, no. if we had something like that, some sort of father and son duo, uh, it would make it a lot easier to um, tell a specific directed story in that way. And then the father can be bit by a radioactive pumpkin and shrink and become Sam. 
Yeah, there you go. That's a great idea, too. (laughs) So, Mikey, do you have a question for me? Boy, do I. Okay, Roxy, this movie opens up with like a newscast. And one of the reporters says, Halloween is all about being the scariest thing you can imagine and dressing up as it. So my question for you is twofold. Okay. A, what's the scariest thing you can imagine? And B, how would you dress up as it for Halloween? Um, so the scariest thing I can imagine is my student loans being past due and coming after me. Uh-huh. Uh, so I would just dress up as like a huge sheet of paper with some very terrifying <laughs> legal mm-hmm. text on it that says they're going to come for me and they're going to come for my family and everything <laughs> I own and I'm going to be on the street. You as an envelope that just says past due on it from a, a Zunta fee <laughs> is very funny to me. Yeah, Are they not your student like, loan provider? to be able to like keep it pulled out so it'll be even more threatening it'll just be giant (laughs) it won't be able to fit through doorways but you know that's part Mm -hmm. of what makes it so intimidating that's the most important part of halloween costumes is making it so you can still hang out at a party yeah (laughs) exactly big letter would not do it for you what about you mikey what would you be i'm always afraid of monsters with teeth i feel like anything with teeth and claws i always like get chills so uh i would dress up as I don't know if you remember seeing this going around. I, I follow this subreddit called R Boss Fights. Okay. And they just take weird creatures and then they give them a label. And so it'll be like a, a dude who's just like, I'm really tired of uh, being pushed around. And then so like the boss fight is named like uh, Tanner, the man who will take no more. And that's like a boss fight. But then they'll also okay. do like. Uh, a, a guy in like a weird costume or whatever and give him a name. But I uh-huh. saw one there the other day that I will track down of just a creature that was all teeth. Oh. It's like human teeth. And they oh, were wait, like, like every single like facet a, of its body, like head to toe, just teeth. Every single person. Okay. I know that I, thing. I'm Googling tooth person. Oh, channel zero. Channel zero. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I did find it. Yeah. That is very scary because he's just constantly biting me and I don't want to get yeah. bit. Just by walking there'd be into nothing you, I could he'd do. be biting. <laughs> Truly terrifying. And also, Ugh. why do you ever need that many teeth? What what is on the other inside of that? Where do the <laughs> where does the teeth convey the prey to go to? I don't want to know. But I will say, very easy to dress up as him because you just put on get teeth nude. Suit. Oh, you get nude. You roll in around in glue, uh-huh. and then you sprinkle yourself with teeth like glitter. Perfect. There you go. Well, you and got that planned out. <laughs> And that's what I'm going to be for Halloween this year. <laughs> so, Mikey, on a scale of one to nine, how likely are the events of Trick or Treat to happen in real life? You know, Roxy, I said a four. Really? Okay. Because I do like, listen, obviously all of this stuff is silly. There's no such thing as werewolves. But if there are werewolves, there are also no such thing as zombie children. And if there are such things as zombie children, it's like, it's like a Venn diagram that's getting farther and farther apart. I don't think uh-huh. that tracks. Um, but one thing that I will say that is pretty realistic about this movie is that there's a lot of stupid things happening on Halloween night. A lot of disparate, uncoordinated things, which feels very real to me, right? Like, you can have your Halloween night story and you'd maybe be the protagonist of a horror movie, but it's not the only thing that's going on in Halloween night. Yeah, one of the things about Halloween is it's just kind of pure chaos in a lot of ways. Organized chaos in some, in other, in still more other ways. So, yeah, yeah, I'd say that tracks. 
What about you? How realistic do you think it is? Um, I said a one out of nine, which honestly, I thought you were going to go lower because I'm <laughs> using your favorite phrases. It's like a hat on a hat on a hat on a hat on a hat. A lot of hats. A lot of hats. Maybe one more hat or maybe that was one too many hats. But uh, yeah, ev- all of these crazy things happening all at once, including like two, no, three, three supernatural different entities with Sam, mm-hmm. the werewolves and the uh, zombie bog children. Which I guess you could loop that into all being like every monster is allowed to come out at night is the mm-hmm. other thing about like Halloween as a tradition, I suppose. So maybe you could loop it into that and it would be mm-hmm. fine. But um, again, that's why I think it's one out, one out of nine. I hope they can't all come to life and uh, kill folks and prey on people and uh, get revenge that's on the hope. evil old men, although maybe they should do that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah one out of nine for me all right so mikey we made a bet last week mm-hmm. which was how many times in the script of the movie trick or treat would the word trick be said i said four i said seven and the answer is 15 <laughs> it is so halfway so. there but i'm closer than you are this time mikey so what what is our bet score at with this now, Roxy, every week here in the Scary Basement, you and I make a bet based on the movies we're reviewing. Something like how many characters are going to get killed, how often is a specific word said in the script, and so on. Whoever wins that bet gets a point. And we were told, ominously, I might add, that something would happen when one of us got to 30. Oh, Roxy, I got to tell you, it happened. You win this week's bet, which brings our total bet count to Roxy 30, Mikey 24, tie 2. This has been building for a long time, and I'm honestly pretty scared to find out what's going to happen. Oh god, it's starting. Congratulations, Roxy. You are the new Little Miss Bunch of Hands. I'm the what? Who, who are you? I'm Emma Schreer, the previous Little Miss Bunch of Hands. I used to be drawn inexplicably and supernaturally into the scary basement to review horror movies, just like you. But then, after I won 30 bets, I was awarded the title of Little Miss Bunch of Hands. It's my pleasure to pass the title on to you. Oh, this will change your life. First off, here's your prize. Ah! Bloody severed hands? And here's your crown. It is also a hand? But if you open it and put its palm on your head, it's a crown. I don't want to wear a hand. Well, then you're not gonna like the sash. Uh, Okay, 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 wait. What does it mean to be Little Miss Bunch of Hands? You'll have many duties, such as traveling the world to advocate for your cause, which is hands. Like, making hands better? Is there some kind of hand-based disease you're advocating against? No. Roxy's going to ask morticians for hands. As you know, many mortuaries have unclaimed dead, and they'll let you cut off and take the hands. All you have to do is ask. I don't get it. Yeah, why do we even have the title of Little Miss Bunch of Hands? Why do we have the title of President? Or Pope? Or NFL Defensive Player of the Year? Because titles are important. They give those of us, without anything else, something to strive towards. I guess, but I don't see how being Little Miss Bunch of Hands helps anyone. What about local mom-and-pop morticians? 
Little Miss Bunch of Hands is beloved in rural America. So a visit would make those businesses bloom with people sending their dead from far and wide in hopes of having those hands collected. I mean, you are pro-small business, aren't you, Roxy? Yeah, but being Little Miss Bunch of Hands is a weird, long, roundabout way of showing that. I'll say this. If you deny your hand crown, you'd spit in the face of every little girl out there who dreams of one day winning 30 bets in a row on her horror show and winning a lifetime supply of hands. Wow, Roxy. You could be an inspiration to little girls who grew up without any severed hands, just like you did. The little girls shouldn't want to be Little Miss Bunch of Hands. It's a stupid thing and I won't do it. I don't know, Roxy. It might be kind of cool to travel the world, see all there is to see. Uh, I... I mean, I guess. I have always wanted to go to Paris. Then it's settled. You're our new Little Miss Bunch of Hands. And tomorrow you're off to Paris to collect hands. Here she comes. Little Miss Bunch of Hands. Long and short, fingers about. But first, you have to collect your broadcast partner's hands. My hands? No way, I don't want to sever Mikey's hands. But you have to take his hands. Look, I took my broadcast partner's hands. That's them, on the bottom of the pile. Clenched as tight as the day they were severed. Look, I love my hands, Roxy, I can't stand in the way of your dream. This isn't my dream. I won't take Mikey's hands. I'm not doing it. I won't be Little Miss Bunch of Hands. But then, who will go to mortuaries and ask for hands? Hopefully no one. Well, hey, Emma, why don't you keep doing it? You seem to like collecting hands. But I'm no longer Little Miss Bunch of Hands. How can I show my face in a mortuary and ask for hands if I'm not Little Miss Bunch of Hands? Why do you need a title to do what's important to you? Huh, you're right. How many people were told they couldn't do what they knew deep in their hearts they were meant to do? Barack Obama, probably. Oh, thank you. I'll never forget this. I'm going to go to Paris now myself, and I'll come back with a bushel of hands. Do you, like, want these hands back, or...? You keep them. You've earned them. I really don't want them. Well, Roxy, we've got this big box of hands still. Yeah, um, what should we do with it? We just throw it in the fire. Yeah, I mean, I would get rid of it, but wouldn't it be disrespectful to the people who gave up their hands to just throw it away? That's true. You know what? Roxy, we've been talking about movies for a long time. We don't have any clear way to sum up our feelings about them. And you I'll mean tell you. like in a rating system kind of way? Or right, like going right. to therapy kind of way? Okay, rating system kind <laughs> of way. Gotcha. All right. We have no emotional way to process our feelings about <laughs> these movies. But I have always kind of thought it'd be cool to have a review scale. A way to succinctly say like, oh, this movie was so good. It gets our top marks, or this movie was so bad, it gets our lowest marks. Okay, and I'd say it could be, like, subjective, too, right? Like, I can like a movie and still think it's bad, but because I like mm-hmm. it, sure, I can give it a bigger thumbs up. Yeah. My whole thing with thumbs up, thumbs down has always been it's almost too binary, right? It's yeah. either good or bad. We need, like, more scales between that. And I think that now that we have this big box of hands, we can give a movie way more than two thumbs up. 
maybe even three, four, four, five. Here's my suggestion. Okay. We each have two thumbs. Yes. What if we gave each movie up to five thumbs up? Oh, okay. For a total of 10 thumbs. All right. Out of 10? Yeah, I think we can get a pretty good scale Okay, going there. So we can give every movie up to five thumbs up. Remember, we can do extra thumbs up because we have all these extra hands. Yes. And then we'll combine our scores and it'll have a score out of 10. Okay, because I was going to say, I know the number 10 is not allowed to be used down here. So we're getting around that by you do five and I do five. So then cumulatively, it's 10. But exactly. Five each. But no movie can ever get to 10 because the number 10 does not exist in this case. Yes, exactly. So if we both, first of all, I doubt we would ever both have a perfect score for a movie. But if we did, if we watched like the Citizen Kane of horror movies, then that movie just would not be scored. Or we could find another hand, maybe a zombie down here or something and sacrifice one to add to the pile. We can do an 11. Okay. We just like bust that. past that. <laughs> or well, it can be unquantifiable if it's just that good. <laughs> we'll figure it out when we get there. When we find the perfect movie, Mikey, I can't wait to debate what we're going to do when we find the oh. perfect, unrankable <laughs> movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's cool. That's the official new Scary Basement Review System. Five thumbs up is the max from each of us. We combine it. We get a total score. Perfect. Cool. I love thumbs up. Oh, demon bots coming over. Hey, this is going to be the first movie we'll be able to rank it. I'm excited. That's cool. (laughs) Congratulations on your hands. Is that a normal thing for mortals to have? Anyway, for next week, you will be able to make use of those hands as you review the 2007 film Paranormal Activity. Okay, Roxy, so we're going to watch Paranormal Activity. You excited? All right, the the very first one, the one that started the entire franchise. (laughs) There's a lot of them, huh? (laughs) There sure is. (laughs) We, of course, have to make a bet for it. Yes, let's do it. And I have heard this movie is a big jump scare kind of movie. So what do you say we take a bet on the total number of Mikey jump scares? Ooh, okay. Yeah, sure, let's do it. Okay, I'm going to say five. Okay. I'm going to say three, because I'm going to believe in you, Mikey, that you're going to be stronger willed than this movie. Three. Hey, that's cool. (laughs) Thanks. That is really cool of me. (laughs) All right. The bet's locked in. All right. So we've we've talked about a lot of terrifying things this week, Mikey, a lot of frustrating things as well. (laughs) So how about we talk about what's making us happy this week? So Mikey, what went down in your life that made you happy this week? Well, It happened a couple weeks ago, but I finally got around to watching it. My, I think, number one favorite YouTuber. I know you're usually the one who's doing YouTubes. Mm -hmm. Uh My favorite YouTuber is a fella named Summoning Salt. Oh. And he makes uh, videos about the world record history of video games. And he comes out with videos kind of infrequently, maybe one or two a month. Okay. Or, Or once every month or two, I should say. And he came out with a new one that is 41 minutes long, The Hidden Shortcuts of Mario Kart Double Dash. And he has this way of making the stupidest, silliest little video game things so important. Okay. Mario Kart Double Dash never had any skips. And then it found four. And then, like, the music hits. And it's like... And I'm just like, yeah! Skips in Mario Kart! Save three seconds in the world record! Oh, yeah! So that's my favorite. It made you so excited you did an impression of that one wrestler guy. That's how yeah, you know I was, it's good. I, 
when I truly love something, I do turn into the macho man. Yeah. I mean, who among us wouldn't? I feel like you're, <laughs> you're not truly living or you're not truly excited enough about something if you don't. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. What's making you happy, Rox? Uh, so the thing that's making me happy is the fact that this is our first October episode. <gasps> and it being October means all there's all sorts of spooky stuff. The whole world is, well, all of America anyway, <laughs> the majority <laughs> of it. Is celebrating spooky season and becoming fall. I get to wear my boots again. I get to see cool holiday spooky decor in stores. I get boots. to buy candy. I do. I get to wear better coat too. I can save money on my AC bill because we won't need our AC anymore. Mm-hmm. It's that it's that line right before when you don't need to pay for AC and you don't need to pay for heating yet because it's that just right temperature. At least here in, yeah. in Portland, it's going to be like that. Free comfort. And I get to buy pumpkin spice things. I love it. Apple cider donuts. Are you kidding oh. me? Those are delicious. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Getting to watch horror movies with friends, doing horror game streams, watching horror game streams. I'm I'm excited about everything this month. So It is without question the best month of the year. Truly. I mean, it was so good we had to make a second Halloween. Everybody mm-hmm. knows this. <laughs> All right. So it's time for Haunted Plugs, Mikey. So where can people find you on the internet? Well, you can find me on Twitter at Mikey McCaller and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Mikey McCaller. Perfect. And you can find me on Twitter at Roxy Polk and Twitch as Roxy Polk as well. Also, make sure to give us five stars on iTunes or whatever your listening vehicle of choice is. But make sure they're five scary stars. Or leave a review and share. And scare. The podcast with your friends. And as always, don't sign any contracts offered to you by demon robots. So long. So long.